Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser. Today you're joined by me, your ghoulish bruiser, Holden McNeely. And I'm your big fat tourist, uh, Wizard Jake. Ooh, are you not frightened in this cobweb-filled podcast studio? We'll get turkey legs after Magic Mountain, after uh, Space Mountain, you little twerps. Ooh, I'm pooping and I cannot stop. $9 for a turkey leg. You ripped as a fucking land of magical ripoffs. Let's get drinks around the world. Ah, shit. Your mom's drunk. Who gave Margaret these margaritas? <laughs> you know the, the the names are similar. She can't help herself. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Haunted Mansion episode of Wizard and the Bruiser. This was a special Patreon-requested episode from the one, the only, Ruben Escobedo Third. Um... And you'll actually hear his promotion uh, again from before because Yoram uh, also promoted his <laughs> podcast. It's uh, uh, the Kid Tested Mother Approved uh, podcast, a podcast in which a movie lover, 27, and his mom, older than 27, pick a theme for the week and then give each other a movie to watch based on that theme. Want to hear an adult man have a breakdown while trying to understand the universe uh, where Pixar's Cars takes place? Uh, curious about what a preschool teacher of 30 years thinks about the big Lebowski spoiler alert it has too many F words and doesn't make any sense check out the kid tested mother approved podcast available on Apple podcast stitcher and wherever you get your podcast so thank you Ruben for suggesting this episode when he first uh, suggested this I was like you know our, our statement says you know um, name of an episode topic within reason right yeah. and I did come back to him I was like I don't know you know and he's like I'm telling you there's a lot there and I was like okay I'll give it a shot but if uh, we may end up expanding it to more than just the Haunted Mansion I'm gonna go ahead and say I did not have to do that I have plenty of uh, research here plenty 
of notes compiled on this topic. It's fascinating, and it really delves into so many different things. Uh, old-timey, you know, special effects tricks, uh, you know, that are low-tech. Uh, the uh, history of Disneyland, the uh, history of Imagineers. The very real phenomenon of ghosts. The very actual real phenomenon of ghosts, and the inspirations that brought us the Haunted Mansion from the Winchester house to the other house that fucking Jake oh, brought up to me. the Sour Castle of Kansas City. The Sour Castle of Kansas City. There's so many just fascinating corners to this thing, and so I'm 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 excited to talk about it for an this hour. This has been to be a very fun you. thing to research this week. I'm shocked. Breaking right before we hit the record button. Am I the only person in this room that actually sat in the dark, damp, air-conditioned <laughs> room in the middle of a otherwise? Why was it damp? I don't know. People sweat. <laughs> I feel like all the Disney dark rides. Those that's right. what those are called. The dark rides, as uh, opposed to the open air rides. Yes. Uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yes. It's a small world after all. Yes. Uh, these are these are all dark rides using the uh, Disney parlance. Um, yes, I do remember. Okay, I totally went to uh, Disney. Well, I went to uh, Florida, so I went to Disney World. Mm-hmm. And uh, I totally remember the Peter Pan ride blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I was probably just a little too young, maybe. My parents thought I'd get too spooked by um, by the terrors. I also wasn't into horror at all until, like, college. So maybe they just, like, I, I don't know. I'll have to, like, hit. I'll have to hit my parents up and find out if I actually went to the Disney World Haunted Mansion or not. It's in Disney World, too, right? It's in Disney World as well. Okay. so uh, and, uh, and also, Superducer Meg, you've never been. But you are the only person in this room who actually watched the Eddie Murphy movie. You guys haven't seen the Eddie Murphy movie? Again, Absolutely these are, not. We're all just, we have an incomplete picture right now. <laughs> That's really I'm, weird. It was really popular for a long time. I don't think I saw I the was Eddie a- Murphy-helmed <laughs> film Haunted Mansion. But Jake, you rode on the ride. What can you tell us? We need a, a deep exploration of your memories here because you're the only one who can vouch. Uh, it's kind of amazing that like Haunted Mansion is still around. I mean, you know, Disney World, kind of Disney World, and hardly Disney- touched. By yeah. the way, hardly touched. Uh, when you think of like other rides that I remember when I went was a very I'm, I wasn't one of those like Disney families that went every year. I went like I think twice in my childhood, um, but. I remember like all these rides that just don't exist anymore, like the Carousel of Progress and like uh, the yes. Maelstrom, yes. which got converted into a Elsa Frozen thing. Now Maelstrom is a fucking terrifying dark ride. What was man. Maelstrom? It was in Epcot Center. You went to you know in the fake countries and like the Nor- Norway or Sweden or one of the Scandinavian countries. Uh, it was just like. It was teaching you about like the history of their fishing community, and then there's trolls, and you get like tossed around, and it's Jesus. fucking terrifying. Yeah, you know, it's kind of yeah, fascinating. Look at this, man. Anyway, it, it, they it's... replaced it with princesses. Haunted Mansion, by comparison, was like way more fun. Yeah, it's 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 kind of fascinating to see. You know, when you think of Disneyland and Disney World and everything, you think of you know all of the different characters from all of the cartoon films that you know and love. But actually, back in the day and its origins, it was a lot of just brand new IPs. I mean, was Pirates of the Caribbean not? I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean was a ride that became a film franchise, right? Was it, it wasn't based on anything, was it? No, no, no. It was its own thing. It was this rollicking pirate ride that the Imagineers created and then they built the franchise off of it you well know? there's it will actually get into kind of how pirates of the caribbean uh kind of came yes. into it uh but yeah, we'll come back up the the kind of 
even when I, I, I've never been to Disney. I think I went to maybe when I was like a fetus. I think maybe I was a fetus when I went to Disneyland. I was too young to remember any of it. Um, but in Disney World, you know, the mansion is it's a uh, different exterior. We're going to be mostly talking about the Disneyland mansion. Yes, we will be focusing on the Disneyland mansion for the purposes of this discussion. But in Disney World, all you worlders and Disney Tokyo <laughs> fiends out there don't hate on this too much. What okay? about us Euro Disney diehards? <laughs> oh no, I fell in a puddle. Didn't that uh didn't that whole place burned to the ground in the great uh, mickey mouse explosion of 1995 we lost several good musketeers then but we persevered <laughs> <laughs> i still think about my father you make wooden shoes don't you character that jake made up i make produce distribute <laughs> and fuck them oh god all right well they don't call me johan splinter dick all right johan splinter dick another classic character <laughs> added to our rogues gallery <laughs> the way way back machine uh what was his name again already forgot johan splinter. splinter dick we've got um, you're a disney fan we've got uh lukey boy and um oh what's his name uh mr alien um, uh, you know, you do them. It's so funny. <laughs> the alien guy, the creepy guy, Geiger, Geiger. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyways, to speak about the haunted mansion is to speak about the origin of Disneyland itself. So let's briefly kind of comb through that before we get into the real rich, deep shit that you all got all lubed up for. Okay. Walt Disney visits several amusement parks with his daughters in the thirties and forties. This is, it goes all the way back to then. And he decided he wanted to build an attraction adjacent to his Burbank studios um, on this one site. Now he quickly realized the site was going to be way too small uh, to hold all the people that would visit. He referred to this site as Mickey Mouse Park. It was a proposal. Um, the first kind of signs of it were in a, uh, a memo um, to a studio production designer named Dick Kelsey on August 31st, 1948. He hired Harrison Price and Stanford Research Institute to conceptualize the size needed for the park, which is kind of an interesting thing. The reason why I took note of that is um, that's got to be kind of fascinating. You, you hire these companies and say, I want to do this crazy bullshit. Can you tell me how much space I'm going to need to pull off all this crazy bullshit for like hundreds of people? Sure thing, you weird children's filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> he acquired 160 acres of orange groves and walnut trees in Anaheim, which is southeast of LA in Orange County. The original plot that he had wanted uh, to put next to his studio was only eight acres. Imagine like trying to cram all of Disneyland in that amount of space. So uh, in the earliest uh, version of the Haunted Mansion seems to come from this guy named Harper Goff. Harper Goff, I believe his name is uh, mm -hmm. pronounced. He's an artist, a musician, and an actor who met Walt Disney in a London model-making shop. They both wanted to buy the same model train. Walt Disney was obsessed with model trains, by the way. Seeming, seems to be really into that. And I'm, I'm going to save a lot of info about Walt Disney's life. I think there's a future episode on yeah. Walt Disney. There's even a future episode on the full history of, of Disneyland. He moved around a lot as a kid, and or not a lot, but he, he got an ex kind of the same way that Jim Henson was. He was exposed to like urban life and rural life and like industrial, uh, like middle of the country life. And it gave him like a lot of perspectives. So. Uh, so he spent actually a lot of time close to rail yards. Yes. It makes so much sense for all of the things, especially that you see in his theme parks. Um, 
So Harper Goff, they, he hits it off with Walt Disney. Interestingly enough, this artist, Harper Goff, he, uh, he was a camouflage artist in World War II. He fucking, like, arted, he designed camo for, for battle, which is fucking crazy to me. I just, you don't think about all the different jobs out there, and you know, you're like, yeah, that's right. They had to hire somebody to, like, create the, what you see on, you know, traditional war attire um, to blend in with different, uh, different aspects of terrain. He art directed 20,000 20, leagues under the sea. He designed the exterior of the Nautilus as well as sets for each of the submarine's compartments. And he created the submarine Proteus for Fantastic Voyage. Bit of a submarine guy. Also, he fucking art directed Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And if anything's got some phenomenal art direction, it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. A lot of the uh, early Imagineers were people that uh, Disney poached from his filmmaker, from his film studio mm -hmm. side of things because he honestly believed that who better to kind of blur the lines between reality and fiction than these guys who you know had very little experience nobody had experiencing the kind of stuff he wanted done exactly i it's mean also he had uh, to create a whole new term for the for the job you know uh, it's also like super key that all the way from the beginning of the conception of Disneyland, the Haunted Mansion was there in early sketches. That's, there that's would always this be, Harper Goff guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would always be a haunted house in all the early and all the early plans. And I think it's part of uh, just it's part of the landscape of a amusement park and any uh, any sort of carnival or uh, even in Coney. I mean, Coney Island has like one of the oldest, most famous ones. I think it's still around. Um, or if it's not, it's there as like kind of a totem to what used to be there. Mm. But the dark, like spook show kind of thing, or a tunnel of love, basically any secluded place where teenagers can get like a little bit of adrenaline going and like maybe just touch each other a bunch. He was uh, also another interesting fact about Harper Goff was he was a set designer on Casablanca. Oh. Which is insane. But yes, he was the guy uh, that is given credit, at least in my findings, um, uh, for doing the very early rent renderings and concept art for Mickey Mouse Park. Devel and he developed a black and white sketch of a crooked street leading away from Main Street by a peaceful church and graveyard with a rundown manor perched high on a hill that towered over Main Street. Now, it was this guy, Ken Anderson, mm -hmm. um, who was enlisted to make something out of Goff's ideas. Uh, Goff's uh, uh, droll rings, as it were. He was uh, Ken Anderson, another phenomenal Imagineer. Um, he was a graduate from architecture school um, that ended up getting hired uh, at Disney. Um, he did so many, so much work on all the heavy hitters of early Disney films. He was a writer, art director, animator, all these things. He he did. He worked on 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, a personal favorite, Alice in Wonderland, Lady and the Tramp, Pete's Dragon, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Pinocchio. He's working on all these movies. He uh, And he starts working on an area uh, of this Mickey Mouse Park, later to be called Disneyland, uh, called New Orleans Square. Uh, and it had a thief's market and a pirate wax museum and a haunted house, um, which was uh, an antebellum manor overgrown 
grown with weeds. Antebellum is the sort of um, kind of like the plantation home you see in the south with the big white columns and everything. Um, uh, it had dead trees, bats, and boarded doors with a screeching cat as a weather vane. Now, Disney, Walt Disney, he comes back to uh, looks at these designs. He kind of doesn't want this kind of shabby looking rundown manor in his pristine, lovely park because he himself actually for this house was heavily inspired by a couple different houses that Jake and I are going to cover. Why don't we cover yours first since that was earlier than mine? And that was uh, the um, the Sour Castle. There you go. The Sour Castle. Now, this is kind of uh, I don't know if this has been actually confirmed, but uh, one of uh Walt Disney spent a lot of years in Kansas City, and it's kind of where he had gotten his initial like rumblings of being a entertainment industry guy. He wanted to do art direction for theaters, and uh, was beginning to amass his like inner circle of uh, of people that he would he would then take to California, experimenting heavily with psychedelics, secret <laughs> government drugs that only he could acquire through his filthy lab filled with recluses and bearded men. So uh, the sour. Everything I just said was false, by the way. So I should probably post note that with that was false. Go and, on, Jake. Uh, one of his associates uh, was, in fact, a member of this family that lived in what was called the Sour Castle, which, if you look at uh, photos, mm. is kind of this spooky house on a hill. Yeah. Um, a wealthy magnate moved to Kansas City to help escape his uh, encroaching tuberculosis. Uh, he was a widower and he remarried a younger woman. Uh, they lost a child. The man died, you know, just a lot of death and mystery in this spooky old house. And um, I think it's part of what made uh, Walt, because another big part of Disneyland is that Walt's idea of Americana, that if you're going to have Main Street, if you're going to have this clean, you know, nostalgic town, you're still going to have the spooky house on the hill. Yeah, that absolutely. like it is so integral to the American charming uh, uh, pastoral that like of it, course. you can't throw you can't throw it away. Boo Radley's house. Yeah, you know that and, house down the street that, that the kids are all scared of. Um, um, also, Sandlot. You know that house. You know with the big dog. And uh, I also like how it kind of, the New Orleans uh, zone is kind of this very American thing where. Um, like it's the transition between wholesome Main Street USA and death and decay and danger mm -hmm. is just regular New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, on the other uh, side of things, he had just uh, visited the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. Uh, this was um, uh, home to Sarah Winchester, the widow of the gun magnate William Wirt Winchester. Um, uh, it was. It's located at five two five South Winchester Boulevard. I believe you can still visit it now. It is a landmark. It is a national uh, or a, a state landmark. Um, so the story behind this house is Sarah Winchester. Are you? Ready for a spooky story, audience? Sarah Winchester inherits over $20.5 million after her husband's death to tuberculosis in 1881, along with a weekly income from the Winchester Repeating Arms Company of $1,000 a day, which is over $23,000 in today's money. So uh, uh, essentially, tabloids claim that 
A Boston medium told her while channeling her late husband, allegedly, that she should leave her home in New Haven and travel west, where she must continuously build a home for herself. And the spirits of the people who had fallen victim to Winchester rifles, that she would be constantly... That's fucking rad. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that she would constantly be haunted by these dead people who got killed by Winchester rifles, so she had to keep building onto this house to, like, confuse them and, and sort of keep them away from her. Guys, um, guys. Let me, just as a little fact, if you have the opportunity to trick a rich person into some bullshit, <laughs> never back down. Think of it, she's getting $23,000 a day in today's money, plus the million she'd already inherited. She builds a Queen Anne-style Victorian mansion um, in, in, uh, in Santa Clara Valley um, that she uh, turned into from an unfinished farmhouse that she purchased. Uh, it, it, she, she made it seven stories. Apparently, the, the, the construction was ongoing up until her death, that it just for years and years and years, these people were just constantly building onto this house. She did not use an architect, and she added onto the building in a completely haphazard fashion. So the home contains numerous oddities, such as doors and stairs that go nowhere, windows overlooking other rooms, and stairs with odd-sized risers. She fucking built uh, extra bathrooms that don't work to confuse the ghosts. Also, she slept in a different room of the house every single night to try to tr confuse these ghosts. That's how, that's, that's how deep this goes. I like that she believes that the undead follow Scooby-Doo rules. <laughs> I know, right? And she continued to build this uh, house around the clock, allegedly. Others say she gave the construction workers breaks from time to time there would be months at a time where she wouldn't have people building but either way it's fun more fun to say around the clock uninterrupted until her death in 1922 um uh, a couple extra things uh after the 1906 earthquake uh the house went from seven stories to four stories um it was this insane earthquake that struck the coast of northern california with a magnitude of 7.8 and fires broke out for days afterwards Three thousand people died in this earthquake um over 80 percent of san francisco was destroyed in this earthquake and it fucked her house up there were this house consisted of 161 rooms 40 bedrooms two ballrooms 47 fireplaces over 10,000 panes of glass 17 chimneys two basements and three elevators um and uh many of the stained glass windows were created by the tiffany company they're all very fascinating some were designed specifically for her others by her there was a spider web window that featured her favorite web design and the repetition of the number 13 it had like 13 jewels on it she was obsessed with spider webs and the number 13 uh these were two things that she would kind of throw uh, in design work and things around the house all over the place there was an expensive uh God, if she didn't have money she would just be like the screaming lady on the subway right completely <laughs> she she inex uh, uh she uh what she uh, an expensive imported chandelier that she had brought in only had 12 candle holders so she uh, uh, altered it to accommodate 13 candles um wall clothes hooks are in multiples of 13 all over the house and every friday the 13th um the they ring the large bell on the property 13 times at exactly 1300 hours uh harry houdini toured the mansion in 1924 and and a newspaper of his visit called it the mystery house and that's how i guess it got its name um and it's this was insane to me jake in 2016 that's two years ago it was announced that another room was found 
There was a whole attic space that contains a pump organ, a Victorian couch, a dress form, sewing machine, and paintings. Um, and it was made available for viewing in the public. Um, also, um, Apparently in 2017, filming took place on the property for the film Winchester, The House That Ghosts Built. And this film is featuring Helen Mirren as Sarah Winchester and is set to release February 2nd, 2018. So uh, you may even be hearing this after it's already come out. But how crazy. I'm, yeah. I'm Helen Mirren about this story. I would love to watch that. It's, it's an incredible tale. And of course, it would inspire um, anyone who would who would take a look at it. So there's any- uh, one more house that i gotta i gotta mention sure please uh when ken anderson was hey you know how i feel about house talk <laughs> i can't get enough of it uh when <laughs> ken anderson was uh doing the initial sketches for the outside of the haunted mansion hmm. uh he was working with a uh a reference book within the uh, imagineers i think at the time it was wed uh enterprises but yes it's that company- walt uh, what's his middle name walt uh, elias i believe yeah. walt elias disney i could have that yeah. wrong but either way the e stands for his middle name w-e-d enterprises yeah. uh had a reference book of gothic and victorian architecture and he stumbled on this photo uh which is literally the exact facade of the uh of the haunted mansion in mm. Disneyland, uh, this awesome. lovely classic antebellum house is actually uh, it exists. It is the Shipley Lidecker House, ah, located in Baltimore, Maryland. Very cool, very cool. So, um, the the Imagineers get to work, and I'm gonna actually take this moment to talk about Imagineers for a second because uh, it's a fascinating thing. Um, uh, uh, called the it's the Walt Disney Imagineering Research and Development Inc. is the full title of of the company um, of this this uh, part of the of of the Disney Corporation. It was originally uh, Walt Disney Incorporated and then WED Enterprises and then this. Uh, it's their R and D, but their special kind of R and D. Um, uh, using the talent of their imagination. They were uh, responsible for designing and building Disney theme parks, uh, resorts, cruise ships, all that good stuff. That's all the Imagineers. Um, and really, it's kind of... The title Imagineer is kind of nuts. There's literally 140 different job titles that fall under the banner of Imagineering, ranging from illustrators, architects, engineers, lighting designers, show writers, graphic designers, and many more. Uh, the the they're, they're headquartered at Grand Central Creative Campus in Glendale, California. And uh, the, the term uh, originates, apparently, it is said that the term is actually really, really originated from the, um, the company Alcoa, which is an aluminum company in the 1940s also union carbide uses the term apparently in an in-house magazine um they they it's a combination of imagination and engineering um but disney files copyright in 1967 claiming that the term was first used by him and his folks in 62 now they're governed by a few different very key principles that is new concepts and improvements are created to fulfill specific needs uh returning to ideas or for attractions and shows that never came to fruition and blue sky speculation i think is the most important one generating ideas with no limitations start the creative process with what is referred to as eyewash that is the boldest wildest best idea one can come up with presented in detail but then later we get mickey's 10 commandments you ready for this because i love this this is the stuff that i really get into 
Uh, Marty Sklar, who was once the president of Imagineering, presented a workshop in 1991 uh, on Imagineers. Um, and uh, he named this uh, Mickey's Ten Commandments actually because of the vice president of Imagineering, Mickey Steinberg, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, so here are the Ten Commandments. Are you ready? Take notes if this is the kind of work you want to get into. Um, I think uh, I would have loved to be an Imagineer. That would have been a great, impossible dream. But um, uh, here are the Ten Commandments to, to live by. One, know your audience. Two, wear your guests' shoes. Don't forget the human factors. Try to experience the parks from the guest's point of view. Three, organize the flow of people and ideas. Ensure experiences tell a story that is organized and logically laid out. We're going to get that with the um, uh, the cart. What's it called again? Oh, we'll get to the cart. Oh, we'll get to the moving cart. Uh, create a weenie. What? what? Create a weenie, Walt Disney's term for a visual magnet. Jake, do you know why it's called a weenie? Do you know why he called it a weenie, Jake? Why uh, did famed eccentric <laughs> millionaire weirdo Walt Disney call visual key <laughs> magnet points weenies? Well, this is why, Jake, whenever Walt Disney would come home, uh, he would always take a little trip uh, to see what was for dinner, to see what the his uh, the, the lady who makes his dinner was making him. Uh, and on his way to do that, he would always pick up a hot dog weenie and uh, and share it with his dog, Lady. So he'd lead the dog around the house with the weenie because he could just move the dog along throughout the house wherever he wanted the dog to go because he had that weenie. So anything, any kind of visual marker around the park that makes you feel like, wow, I've really made it. You know, I'm at Disney, like um, the Epcot ball or the um, Cinderella's castle, Cinderella's castle, let's say that or those, Sleeping Beauty's castle, right? It's Cinderella's castle. Those are the weenies. Those are the things that uh, uh, termed by him that would lead the park uh, uh, goer around to different points. Um, so there you go. So next time, you know, you when you're trying to like lead somebody around and get them to do what you want them to do, just, just shout, look at that big old weenie. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Jake, you learned it fast. Five, communicate with visual literacy. Use a dominant color or shape or building to reinforce a theme. And theme comes up over and over again and what's funny is like they talk about consistency and theme and we'll get to how the haunted mansion kind of sidesteps that yeah. in so many ways um avoid overload create turn-ons do not offer too much detailed information that's number six number seven tell one story at a time put one big idea in each show so guests leave with a clear understanding of the theme again not so much in the haunted mansion yeah like. uh, this is the haunted here's here's where uh like at this point in the Haunted Mansion story, the Imagineer rules aren't even written yet. Yeah, this is Ken like Anderson coming up with this stuff later. Slaving away, coming up with idea after idea and sketch after sketch. Mm -hmm. He has uh, this whole idea about uh, a, a character named Captain Gore, who <laughs> yes. like is like the uh, sea captain and the wife, right? Yes. Sea captain's wife, which I think does kind of make its way. It the wife part sort of makes uh, its way. The, the Haunted, Haunted Mansion. Man. If you look at the wind vane, it has a sailboat on top in mm. Disneyland. As just this weird leftover back when this one guy who was on his own being like, I don't know, there's a sea captain and it's in New Orleans. So it's just like kind of a pirate because the pirate exhibit was also being built and they wanted it to tie into that. It's uh, 
Another thing the Haunted Mansion um, definitely uh, does not do, avoid contradictions, maintain <laughs> identity, avoid irrelevant or contradicting elements, make sure the audience has a clear idea of what is being said. We'll get to why um, the mansion is both uh, trying to be frightened and frightening and trying to be lighthearted um, uh, back and forth throughout the ride. For every ounce of treatment is number nine, provide a ton of, of treat. Take advantage of the distinction of the theme park, which is that it encourages active participation compared to passive entertainment. So with treatment must come treat. And number 10, to finish out, keep it up. Do not become complacent or allow things to run down. That's the 10 com- Mickey's 10 Commandments for Imagineers. Now, back to uh, our uh, early, early Imagineers. We've got a couple people who come into play here. We've got, uh, I mean, we already mentioned Ken Anderson. Um, and then there is also Raleigh Crump and Yale Gracie come into play. They start trying to recreate some of the stories that Anderson's laying down. The ghostly sea captain that we just mentioned. Um, a mansion home to an unfortunate family and a ghostly wedding party with well-known vi- Disney villains, which didn't quite make it all in. Um, and, and, and in fact, uh, uh, so many of those things like sort of vaguely make their way in, essentially. Um, uh, at this point... Uh they still don't know quite what the attraction is going to be. The dominant idea is that it's going to be some kind of walking tour, kind of like the Jungle Cruise where there's like a real life yes. kind of uh, guide who is being like constantly fucked with by various spirits. Which would be fun. It'd be it'd be fun. But it's because uh, that's how most people engaged with like mansion tours at the time is mm-hmm. that, you know, you'd go to the Hearst Manor or, you know, I out in like. Uh, out in Long Island, there's a bunch of like really fancy old mansions that you can look at. Uh, but the exterior of the building is finished in 1963. Yes, and they still, still had no idea what was there, there what was going into it. So for years, uh, six to be exact, uh, <laughs> they were developing things. Um, if you can imagine that, yeah, there, that this that was done, and then literally it took six years for them. A lot of this had to do with um, Walt Disney's involvement in the New York World's Fair from 1964 to 1965. That really kind of pulled focus away. And then Walt Disney... Um, Walt Disney's untimely death in 1966 also had a large uh, impact on uh, the delay of this exhibit. And um, Walt Disney was the word of God at this company. Mm-hmm. And Disneyland was his Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. So any like half the time, Walt Disney would just put people on projects just so he could have more options to say no to. <laughs> so Raleigh Crump and Yale Gacy are put on this project. Crump was an assistant animator on Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, and 101 Dalmatians. He also did uh, Disneyland's Enchanted Tiki Room and Adventureland Bazaar and also helped design It's a Small World for the New York World's Fair. Gracie was a writer and layout artist on Fantasia and Pinocchio. Uh, he designed uh, special effects for the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction as well. Um, and he was also shot to death by a burglar in L.A. while asleep in his Bel Air Bay Club cabana years later. That's why you don't sleep in a cabana. I know, right? You're just begging to get shot. So C- Crump and Gracie are working on these cre- creepy designs and animatronics and what I mean, back then. At one point, they wanted to have a kind of a, you know, sometimes at Disney World attractions, there'll be like a little side restaurant that has something to do yes. with the uh, ride you just went on, uh, the Blue Lagoon. 
Dragoon, I think, is on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. And they wanted, like, the Museum of Oddities or Museum of the Weird. Museum of the Weird, uh, I believe so. Um, and a lot of designs that this team had made was supposed to go into there. And I really like this idea that, you know, uh, was when you're, like, dining or touring the Museum of the Weird, you could actually see behind the scenes of the illusions that were being done in the Haunted Mansion. Mm. And you could... Um, you could like see people react to all like the weird effects, but you actually could see how they were done, which is like kind of fun. Kind That's of a behind awesome. the veil. And and at one point, I love this story. Um, at one point, they stored all of their creepy designs in a big warehouse. And they said, once we got a call from personnel saying, I, I don't know if this is Crump or Gracie or, or who said this exactly, but once we got a call from personnel saying that the janitors requested that we leave the lights on in there due to the creepiness <laughs> of all the uh, uh, audio animatronic ghosts and such, they complied, but put motion sensors in the room that would extinguish the lights and turn on all the ghost effects that <laughs> triggered. The next morning, they came in and found all the ghost effects still running and a broom lying in the center of the floor. Personnel called and said the janitors would not be back <laughs> so i thought that was phenomenal uh, other imagineers that contributed to um the Haunted Mansion during this time was Mark Davis, who designed, uh, was a character designer, designed Snow White and Bambi, just to name a few. There's so many more. This dude, X Atencio, he was the script writer for um, the whole Haunted Mansion script, and he wrote the theme song, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, he also did Adventure Through Inner Space and Pirates of the Caribbean. And Claude Coates, who um, is responsible for a lot of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Pirates as well. Um, it was uh, so Walt Disney is dead. Ken Anderson is off the project because it took him six years and he still hadn't finished anything. <laughs> Mark Davis and Claude Coates are now in a disagreement with each other. And there's no Disney to settle it once and for all. Uh, one thinks that it should be quite a funny experience and the other one thinks it feels it should really be very very scary now of course you have ex who comes in and combines the two ideas uh the, making it go from dark into fun-filled kind of uh, rollicking which is weird it's weird uh jake uh well okay so while this is happening uh again the haunted mansion is just sitting there completely built there's rumors going around. People claim that, like, people have died during the test runs, and that's why it's been shut down for so long. Um, the uh, creative differences are kind of, like, going back and forth. They're testing different illusions with mixed results. And um, the, the, what they kind of settled on with the kind of eerie opening and, like, this, like, oh, you're trapped in here. You have to find a way out. And um, the way the kind of, uh, you know, the mansion kind of, begins with this very dark kind of foreboding i think we have um, yeah should we uh yeah this is play uh, this opening uh, this is voice actor paul freeze yes who is uh kind of on a mel blank level of classic man of a thousand yes voices. yes he performs the narrating ghost host he also did the voice of boris badenov in the rocky and bullwinkle show and yeah and as jake said he is known as the man with a thousand voices uh here he is uh bringing us into the attraction everybody go walks into a room and the doors get locked behind them and this is what you hear Kindly step all the way in, please, this and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. So the ghost host is 
your guide throughout the entire thing. There's speakers in Our your little tour car. begins here in this gallery, oh. where you see paintings of some of our guests. Do you know what this is? The structure. As they appeared in their corruptible mortal So it's state. like these normal ass your paintings of pallor. various rich hoity-toity people. And then Almost the room starts to shift, and the paintings get longer and longer. Ah. Yes. And the, like the dark revelation, like there's a wealthy stretching? like. Eris in one painting and as it stretches it realizes that she's sitting on the tombstone of her husband. Mm -hmm. You know, this there's all these um no windows oh. and no doors. And the illusion that happens is that <laughs> you're in this very you this sharp angled room and with striped like wallpaper out. and all of a sudden you feel like you're sinking through the floor you're getting vertigo as the ceiling gets higher and higher and the paintings get longer and longer and you genuinely get nauseous it is mm -hmm. very unsettling uh fun fact in disneyland uh you're actually the floor is actually being lowered on a like an elevator mm. and that's how it's happening and in disney world it's the ceiling growing higher oh wow in disneyland there's two identical uh, stretch room so that as one is getting loaded up and it'll play through the sequence, uh, the other one is disembarking. Oh, wow. So that way there's just a constant, constant stream. flow. And that was the big uh, thing. Coming up with a constant flow. Can we talk about the Omnimover system now, Jake? We can talk about the Omnimover system or, as it's known colloquially in the Haunted Mansion fandom, the Doom Buggies. Doom Buggies! <laughs> which totally needs to be like its own 90s cartoon show. But either way, it was created by Robert, Roger, rather, Broggy and Bert Brundage for WD Enterprises, patented in 1968. Essentially, it's a portmanteau of Omni Range, which was, is a system of radio navigation, and um, People Mover, which is a transport uh, attraction used in various places on like Tomorrowland. Airport. At the airport, if you yeah. get on a people mover, it's just a flat escalator. Yeah, and at the time, it was being used in parks uh, in Disney uh, and parts of D the D uh, Disneyland, like Tomorrowland and places like that. But um, at the Haunted and Mansion, adventure. It was actually specifically developed for adventure through inner space. But at the Haunted Mansion, this was a big uh, tech breakthrough. Is the cars don't stop to load people on and off. Mm -hmm. You step onto the uh, conveyor belt, the people mover, as the uh, as the little clamshell, the doom buggies are moving at the exact same pace. So even though it feels like you're taking your time and kind of sauntering in, they're actually shuffling, shuffling you along like the human cattle you are. Also, uh, it had the ability, that specifically for the Doom bu Buggies, it had the ability uh, to be for the vehicle to be rotated to a predetermined orientation. In addition, the main ride rails, each vehicle also had two control rails attached to the wheel, one control swiveling around, uh, allowing the vehicle to face any direction at any point in the track. Now, this is important, and this this is the sort of omni-range system of radio navigation element to all of this, is that it, al it allowed designers to be able to place infrastructure elements of the attraction, such as lighting and projectors, behind the vehicles without concern for having the illusions of the attraction <laughs> revealed to the riders. So they can sort of place, manipulate kind of, you know, wh what you're seeing and what they're hiding better. It, uh, it, and the individual cars kind of replicate the feeling of the individual tour while still maintaining the sheer amount of human traffic that it needs to push through. 
And while we're at it, we might as well get into some of the effects that you are seeing while you're on the Omnimover system. Um, a few of them uh, I have listed here, not all of them, of course. There's a bunch of little tricks and things. One, the mo one, one of the biggest ones, the most reoccurring ones, is the use of scrims. Scrims, uh, is a, you see it in the portrait gallery, the ghoulish images um, that are revealed behind like the seemingly real ones during flashes of lightning. Um, also, they use it in the endless hallway with the floating candle. And in the graveyard, they use a large scrim, scrim just to create like that foggy look. Um, they use the largest, the largest scrim in Disney World, actually, there. The um, largest scrim in Disney World? That's right. You can see it, the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> um, it's a loosely woven piece of cloth that's painted on one side. When it's lit from the front, you'll see the painting on the surface of the scrim. When it's lit from behind, you see through the cloth to what's behind. And this is such a simple trick using just paint and light. And it really, they use it all throughout uh, the the ride and and it and it's it's re in really cool and interesting ways um also the use of phantasmagoria or um as it's more specifically termed uh pepper's ghost uh, i love me pepper's ghost i love me pepper's ghost first perfected by john henry pepper pepper's ghost it, uh, first of all just maybe look up an image of it um if you're listening to this because uh it, it's kind of hard it's like easier seen than explained but essentially what what it is and this goes all the way back to 1862 when this was uh when john henry pepper brought uh Pe pepper's ghost to uh different attractions using a see-through reflection of glass plexiglass or a piece of film um uh, the viewer is looking into a room that has the reflection added onto it from an unseen room creating a ghostly effect you're essentially there's a side room that's being reflected into the room you're looking at so it looks like it is see-through that, that there's an apparition in the room you see this um all throughout but especially the in the ballroom which is prob i mean in my opinion the coolest looking effect you know it, i feel like it's the most for a child to go oh how did they do that yeah uh ironically enough the technology or at least the technique behind pepper's ghost is uh what's responsible for the tupac hologram yes at coachella it super is um, instead they use a transparent screen that is reflective enough to bounce off a, a digital projection also shout outs to henry dirks um, who uh, is dead as fuck, so I don't even know why I'm needing to shout him out. But uh, he is the inventor who brought the trick to uh, John Henry Pepper, who and John Henry Pepper just refined it and, and made it super popular. Uh, for many years, uh, there was one weird effect in that ballroom sequence where uh, even though all the other spooky stuff was... Um, you know, pepper ghost illusions of, you know, they basically illuminated the ghost puppets behind you, which you couldn't see because of the way the doom buggy was set up. Uh, there was a little rubber spider kind of walking around like a ghostly cobweb. And what that was was just a uh, crack in the glass that they used ah. that they didn't know how to cover up oh, because amazing. to replace a sheet of glass that big <laughs> would be yeah. too expensive. But these were mat These were giant sheets of glass these were giant mirrors so um then we have uh the busts that follow you as you pass them i thought this was a really oh, interesting yeah, yeah. trick um those busts are actually carved in reverse so they're not point sticking out at you they're actually carved inward and that's how they do uh do the uh 
uh, effect where it looks like they're um, following you as you go. Also, they're shaped to come to a point, um, which helps to create the creepy impression that the eyes are following you. So it's actually, yeah, all those. No, this is different. Uh, this uh, Meg just put up the singing busts. Yeah, that is. Which a is a different. very simple, just a uh, projector uh-huh. uh, projecting these grim singing faces. And by editing the, the film so that, you know, it's just the white faces on a black background. Uh, they'll only reflect on the marble statues mm. while the rest seems, you know, the rest won't reflect anywhere. So it gives this very ghostly illusion. The singing busts are one of the key um, images that kind of uh, is associated with the Haunted Mansion ride, as uh, along with the three hitchhiking ghosts. Yes, that's such a weird part. Colloquially, <laughs> I mean, uh, never officially given names except uh, through fandom. They've uh, been affectionately known as Phineas, Ezra, and Gus. These, <laughs> uh, There's like a big, fat, dumb one, a skinny kind of crypt keeper, crypt keeper guy, and this old, bearded, sh- tiny man who also has like um, a ball and chain, so I guess he killed someone. I, he was probably a murderer. Uh, they greet you kind of coming into like one of the last segments. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of when everything gets real silly. Yeah. Is, is sort of the hitchhiking ghosts are really the, the like kind of the moment when they just drop all attempts to be frightening and just get really funny and goofy. It's actually a kind of a brilliant part of nonverbal storytelling that we talked during the Ten Commandments is uh, you see these three very distinct – uh, very clearly designed ghost with big hitchhiking thumbs. And then, uh, you know, the doom buggy turns around and you're put in front of a uh, two-way mirror. And behind the mirror is an underlit uh, puppet version of one of the three hitchhiking ghosts. And mm. the host ghost is like very spookily being like, oh, it looks like someone's going to be coming along with you. <laughs> because believe it or not, there is this vague plot going on yeah, in the Haunted Mansion. A right? weird, bizarre plot. But as you can tell from all, even just discussing the effects, there's such a weird, constant popping back and forth between, no, we're trying to be actually legit scary, to like, no, we are really just having a laugh and goofing around in this fun haunted house. First uh, you go through like the library sequence, and that's like kind of spooky-ooky. Um, <laughs> then it gets like a little bit lighthearted. Then it goes into the attic where the uh, bride shows up. Uh, is that Constance, I believe? Yeah, uh, she later got her name. Um, originally, it was compl- it was very ambiguous, and people came up with different theories for what the bride's story was. They then, um, not too, too long ago, I think maybe in the 2000s, they uh, went back and kind of changed this, changed it up, gave her more of a story, named her Constance, um, and she was uh, the Hatchet Bride or something like Hatchaway. that. Hatchaway. Hatchaway. Constance. Constance Hatchaway. And she she was murdering all of her husbands with hatchets. There are uh, all these like, headless ghosts and be, and portraits of beheaded men mm-hmm. in the attic. Uh, that's also where the Hatbox ghost lived. Yes. Um, the hat Which bo- was gone for a while. They brought him back to many fans' glee. Because he was an urban legend for years. Because this oh, really? was pre-internet. Oh, and yeah. And the Hatbox ghost was only in uh, a couple of preview showings. Ah, his head would disappear and pop uh, from his uh, neck and appear in the hat box that he was holding. The issue with him was that he was located too close to the Doom Buggies. Ah. And so even though it was a projection trick where, like, like they would light up his um, 
his face was painted with like white black lights, black light mm-hmm. makeup. Mm-hmm. So they would turn on the black light on his head and be like, oh, my head's over here. And they turn it off and turn on the black light on the head in the hat box and be like, haha, now I'm here. But he's too close and too well lit. So it just, you, you could tell that his head was still there. But nobody, but like, you, you would talk about it and be like, I think I remember there was a hat box guy. And people would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, there was a few urban legends mm. uh, surrounding that. Besides the one around where, a haunted mansion, no. Uh, besides the one about uh, the fact that, like, oh, someone clearly died. That's why this thing t- has taken forever to open up. Uh-huh. Um, among Disney cast members, they talk about the old man with a cane. Oh. They say that in between, because if you're working the haunted mansion, you you know you get this large kind of group of people as each stretch room goes into the uh, Omni Mover and then gets loaded up, and then there's like just a little bit of a break. There's just like a moment of quiet where you're just there by yourself, and cast members would report seeing a uh, rogue doom buggy roll by containing only an old man with a cane, and would report. To say that, like, hey, someone got in off schedule, like, get him off the ride. Oh. And, but there would be no one there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, As, cool. And, and the Hatbox Ghost was also another one that, like, it wasn't until uh, later that, like, through the internet, people finally found photographic proof that this thing existed and buying into kind of the hype and, you know, kind of working with – because. Uh, the Haunted Mansion is like kind of this token of Disney fans, like mm-hmm. or especially the Disney World, Disneyland, like park going fandom. And mm-hmm. uh, because it represents such like a, a point of like community, uh, Walt Disney, uh, at least in, yeah, in Disneyland and Disney World, they reintroduced the Hatbox Ghost in 2015. Yeah. Crazy, right? Just just a few years ago. I mean, I, uh, totally wild. And people were super excited about it. Let's come back around to Grim Grinning Ghosts, the theme that is played all throughout the ride. Almost every moment of the ride, you are hearing some version of Grim Grinning Ghosts, composed by Buddy Baker. Um, he com- he did composition for Disney films such as The Apple Dumpling Gang, uh, The Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and The Fox and the Hound. Uh, but the lyrics were written by X Atencio, um, the man mentioned before that kind of did the writing for most all of the ride. Um, took He took the phrase actually from Shakespeare's poem Venus and Adonis, which ends with these lines. Grim grinning ghost, earth's worm, what dost thou mean? To stifle beauty and to steal his breath. Who then he lived, his breath and beauty set. Gloss the rose, smell to the violet. We gotta get you reading Shakespeare more often. That was real good. You're welcome. I'm You're throwing, welcome, world. Throw roses at this man. <laughs> so, so why don't we hear the the song that that poem inspired? It's a it's a it's a banger. <laughs> Yeah. Put it up. I need more volume in my headphones. It's so good. I, we, we went ahead to just the graveyard sequence where it's just a fucking dead person party. Yeah. Because each individual segment kind of has their own variant on the theme. Right. And you get really kind of creepy, slow, uh, like a creepy, slow Rachmaninoff version. And then you get you know 
like um, uh, uh, just all different sorts of, uh, you know, and then this is the, of course, the fun party. Awesome it's such version. a relief. It's honestly, after the, after the weird tension of going through the rider your first time, you don't know what you, you can see. You don't know, like, what's around the next corner. You're literally, like, blind. You can't see behind you. You don't know what's going around. And then, like, it just ends on this fun graveyard party. Mm-hmm. Which is as cl- it's 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 um it's it's as far as like American culture goes, we're not like cool with death, really. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's <laughs> it's it's for some reason the Victorian era where like seances and mesmerism and hip and you know it's it's just in the Victorian era, like we had our own Dia de los Muertes for a second, and this is like a uniquely American zombo uh, kind of time, and it still works. Like, it's still a ride people like to go on today. You know, the thing came out in 69, you know? The summer of love. Everybody was just fucking on that thing and sucking on that thing. <laughs> and now it's like little kids are, like, filled with glee on this ride. Still, grim, grinning, gross. Still is, uh, I feel like, an enjoyable fucking party time, you know? Just fucking and sucking on each other. <laughs> but either way, uh, the mansion was... Get over here, Phineas. <laughs> <laughs> the mansion was previewed uh, first in an episode of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, a show that went through several title changes. It originally ran on ABC starting in 1954 and ran for 36 years with only one two-year hiatus. Uh, it was Before it was Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, uh, it was called Walt Disney's Disneyland, and Walt Disney Presents... Um, before it changed its name. The uh, anthology series was actually an outgrowth of Walt Disney desperately looking for funding for Disneyland uh, with his brother, Roya Disney. So they went over to all the major networks. I mean, this is how deals are made. They went through to all the major networks, and it was ABC who ended up taking them up on it. I mean, can you imagine like the impact that that deal made on just all the rest of entertainment? You know, I mean, it was decade. I mean, I remember in the 2000s when Disney actually ended up buying ABC. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. The show contained teasers for Walt's Park, as well as episodes representing life in one of the park's main sector, sex, ugh, sections. Uh, Adventureland, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, and Frontierland were the different uh, major sections of Disneyland. Um, so that's when guests were starting to get a taste of it, but then um, the mansion opened to the public um, after a few days of private previews. The mansion opens up on August 12th, 1960. It, 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 it was a giant success. It attracted record crowds. And it's largely attributed to helping Disney, uh, the company, recover from Walt Disney's untimely death and keep the, the show going. Um, uh, the attraction opened at the Magic Kingdom in 1971 and Tokyo Disneyland in 1983. In Euro Disney, the, uh, because haunt, like Maison is just the word for like house. They had to change it to uh, the Phantom Manor, and that has a slightly different plot. Uh, Disney World's version actually is um, pretty much identical, save for a couple of sequences um, where, like, certain segments you're walking through it as opposed to and in Disneyland as and in Disney World you're already on the on the uh, Doom Buggy, mm. and uh, they added like a haunted stairway kind of sequence. Um, I, I, and also, oh, mm-hmm. also in Disney World, this is a fun little piece sure. of trivia. Uh, there was something that uh, that like longtime fans referred to as Constance's wedding ring uh-huh. outside of the haunted mansion. Yes, yes, I, I saw a little bit about this, which was uh, this ring embedded in the cement 
that was actually just a cutoff section of a support beam that was no longer in use. Whoa. But if you kind of squinted at it, there was like a chunk of metal that made it look like kind of a wedding ring. Huh. Uh, after several years, they ended up just replacing it with a prop wedding ring. Awesome. And if you look at photos of it, you can see like the actual like cement worn around it as people have tried to dick it out. Wow. <laughs> just that's a thousand amazing. grubby fingers over decades just kind of going for it. So so uh I will uh say too I'm I'm really kind of shocked. I mean we mentioned a couple of things. Um the uh, uh, they changed that that uh, Rachmaninoff slow version of uh, Grim uh, Grinning Ghost was changed out with a uh, uh, slow creepy bridal march. Um, they updated the safety info at the beginning of the ride, adding uh, a Spanish uh, version of it as well to help uh, just kind of keep from any any problems. Um, but besides that, so little has changed other than the couple things we mentioned about the bride constants and. The you know the hat box ghost, but for the most part they've added uh, digital effects to the. Um, they tweaked little things, yeah. right? Little things, but for the most part, that ride is largely unchanged from its original inception, which is pretty fascinating to me. That that after all these years, these simple kind of inventive parlor tricks are still like blowing kids' minds and better than some kind of uh, over overly digitized kind of um, you know computer computer graphic tricks and stuff like that um also in 2001 they uh debuted the haunted mansion holiday which is uh they just threw in a bunch of nightmare before christmas characters that sounds kind of fun i think i don't know if they do that yearly now um i think it's yearly cool so that that's another thing you can check out around the holiday season but uh yeah um oh there was the 2003 movie that nobody saw except me how, how was it <laughs> a 2003 fantasy horror comedy film starring eddie murphy directed by Rob Minkoff, who directed The Lion King. Uh, it was uh, the first film to air on the Disney Channel that contained any profanity besides hell or damn because it contained the phrase big-ass termites uttered by <laughs> Eddie Murphy. It has a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Meg, t what else you got for us? I, uh, I remember really enjoying this movie when I was a kid. Um... And I recommend it to anybody who enjoys awful, awful, like, PG-rated, stupid Eddie Murphy movies. Or if Eddie you Murphy enjoy... And spook and fake spooky, like, like fake spooky, yeah, half-ass yeah. spooky films, too. If you enjoy termites with large asses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would the termites Those termites have... had real big asses. <laughs> <laughs> they were thick, yo. <laughs> it was also announced on July 22nd, 2010. I doubt anything came from this, but it was announced at a San Diego Comic-Con back in 2010 that a new film based on Disney's The Haunted Mansion was in development with Guillermo del Toro writing and producing. Oh, a Guillermo del Toro project that was Joint. talked about for a while and it kind of fizzled out? Exactly. Right. What a surprise. So uh, I would like to say that, you know, Ken Anderson and a lot of these other Imagineers, I'm pretty sure all the Imagineers we mentioned today were um, given the Disney Legends Award later on in life. It's a Hall of Fame program that recognizes individuals who have made an extraordinary and integral contribution to the Walt Disney Company. It was established in 1987. I know Ken Anderson has his, I'm pretty sure, all the other Imagineers here. These people are real trailblazers. I mean, they were really creating this stuff out. I mean, the, the, you know, there were there were parks and amusements, uh, you know, all over the world at this point. But 
nothing compared to what these folks did um, in creating Disneyland. I mean, there's what just... What if we had a carnival, but hear me out, boys, zero prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really uh, just the history of all this stuff is so fascinating. And um, I want to thank uh, Ruben again for, for um, forcing us to do an episode on the Haunted Mansion, because honestly, it, I, I loved researching this. That is, this stuff is so interesting because, you know, uh, I mean, it's just like these people just where do they come up with this shit? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I get a haunted house and everything, but it's just like, I don't know, just the whole concept of being an Imagineer and just like sky's the limit. But obviously it went through so several drafts and years and years and years of hard work and also was based on a little bit of history. Uh, Jake, is there anything else you could say about why the Haunted Mansion is, is so important um, of a topic to cover in, in, in our show and all that? Because I think of all the things, this is kind of like reminds me of the um, it's uh, the hits hits wait the Miku episode the um, Hatsune Miku Hatsune Miku where you almost have to be like okay but hear us out <laughs> yeah 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 a little bit you know um there's a kind of a Halloween culture in America mm -hmm. uh, that is uniquely American and the current uh, kind of fun loving spooky scary skeletons uh, vibe that we associate with it um, is very much a result of the haunted mansion. Um, they kind of tapped into something very primal that was always there, but they kind of packaged it in a way that it can be enjoyed as a family. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. That, that it's like such a delicate line that they somehow nail in in this attraction. It's that so it just really walks that line between legit scary moments and super fun for, for kids and adults alike to enjoy. And while anybody can just set up a corn maze with some teenagers in gorn makeup and have a haunted whatever, mm -hmm. it was the dedication to like illusion and mystery and magic and like really just trying to trick the brain into seeing things that were otherwise impossible mm -hmm. uh, with a delightful, like fun scampish attitude that everything from Tim Burton to Tumblr has tapped into as well. Um, yeah. They it's, it's kind of amazing. Uh, I really want to go to fucking Disney world now. I know. Right. <laughs> I really do too. I got to check out that Harry Potter uh, land town. Isn't that universal? Whatever. I got to do it. I got to do all of it. It's Disney. No, it's universal. Whatever. Who gives a shit? I got to go. SeaWorld. <laughs> beat up that fish. No, don't beat up the fish. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. If you want to go check me out, and if you want to patronize us and make us uh, do another episode of your choosing or uh, get a get a shirt or uh, just hear that weekly bonus content that we are pumping out, especially for our patrons, go to www.patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. And if you would like the most sensual clogs, visit <laughs> me. All right. I was just <laughs> so excited. The moment that bit ended, I was so excited that it was done. And then you bring it back Guess up. Guess who's back? Uh, back again. <laughs> Johan's back. <laughs> Fuck a shoe. And Jake, yeah, Jake, the artist formerly known as Jake Young would also like to pump um, uh, what Dorkly and um, you can follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. <laughs> Best Jake Young. All right, take care, everybody, and remember, uh, spooky dookie doo. <laughs> Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. 
I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.